Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. Welcome back to another episode of Windowsill Chats. I wanted to read another one of the wonderful reviews that you guys have been leaving. I just wanted to say again how so very much I appreciate that. This one is from McD Joshua. And this listener says, I love Margo's podcast so much, especially being an artist hoping to put more work out into the world. Listening to how other creatives get where they are is fascinating and gives me hope. That is exactly what I'm going for, McD Joshua. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your thoughts. I'm really pleased today to be able to introduce you to Rochelle Porter. Rochelle is an artist living in Atlanta, and we've sort of danced around knowing each other for a while now, but I'm just thrilled to be able to talk with her today and share that with you. She has never met a blank surface she didn't want to draw on, and that is quickly obvious when if you go and look at her website and her Instagram. A lifelong lover of global design traditions, the Atlanta-based artist takes cues from the breezy hues of her Caribbean roots, the stark simplicity of Scandinavian design, and the bold geometrics of West African weaves to create vibrant, eye-catching textiles for the home decor and apparel markets. Her travel-inspired patterns feature joyful, unexpected bursts of color and classic motifs with a fresh, modern twist. Upon learning of the unethical and environmentally hazardous labor practices of today's globalized fast fashion industry, Rochelle nearly abandoned her dream of becoming a designer. That is, until she figured out that style could also be sustainable, and we definitely delve into this. Combining her passion for patterns with her commitment to social responsibility, she formed Rochelle Porter Design, a lifestyle brand specializing in thoughtfully made, eco-friendly home and fashion accessories. True to its tagline, and I love this, Design for Abundant Living, the company believes everyone along the value chain should have the chance to live well, from the farmer who picks the pesticide-free organic cotton for its textiles to the customer who puts them on her sofa. Rochelle Porter Design prioritizes fair pay and sustainable production practices. 
RPD has recently collaborated with West Elm and the Happy Planner. Rochelle's designs have also been featured in El Decor, Essence, BuzzFeed, Pop Sugar, HGTV, and a host of other media outlets. Grab yourself a comfortable seat, keep painting, have a glass of wine, whatever you're up to, driving, walking, at least you're listening. And I'm really glad you're here. Here is Rochelle. Thank you, Rochelle, for being here with me today. I'm so excited to talk to you about your path and your creativity and all the things that you obviously are inspired by. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited too. Sure. I stumbled across Rochelle in a newish app called Clubhouse, and I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it, but that's a whole nother story. But it's it's a way to kind of listen to conversations that people have it's all live. And I just happened in on this room where, you know, there's not a whole lot that I've found. There's a lot on business and there's not as much on art and design. So when I can see something happening and, and there you were just talking about all your products. And I was like, what, wait, who's this? I need, I need more of this person. Rochelle has this just amazing, I'm looking at your beautiful clothing. I'm not sure if it's yours or not. This great, it is is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Pink and black blouse beautiful scarf, gorgeous black and white pillows, full of pattern and graphics, which, you know, is my, is my first love. So um, just tell us a little bit about, you know, what inspired you, how you got going on this path. Let's go way back. Sure. I always ask this and people probably are like, "Mm, you ask this every time, but I I'm fascinated. Did you have creative parents or a teacher that really set you off or what, what that all look like? Oh man. Okay. How much time do we have? (laughs) All the time you need. (laughs) Okay. And before I start, my scarf is actually my hair. It is. Oh gosh. (laughs) I told you I need to put my glasses on. Okay. Even better. I I can see how you Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's this, it's amazing. Your braids are wrapped, wrapped, wrapped with like tones of yellow. It's kind of like people keep saying it's like fire. Oh, it's gorgeous. Oh my Thank God, I'm you. Jealous. It's gorgeous. Got to switch it up every once in a while. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. So as far as my path is concerned, um, yeah, I stumbled onto this in a very unconventional way, meaning that I never aspired to be a designer. I would have never called myself an artist. Um, it wasn't even until like my mid thirties that I started taking this stuff seriously. So um, yeah, I guess like most kids. I was super creative. Um, I drew and painted on everything from the time I could hold a pen. I used to take like scissors and cut up my doll, cut up my clothes and make doll clothes out of them, which um, my mom did not like. And like over the summer we were just bored. So I used to like find some wood in the backyard and like a saw and make a dollhouse, which I should not have been using a saw at like nine years old, but (laughs) You know, but you know, you just want to do stuff. Uh, those, are, those are always my favorite people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I came out relatively unscathed. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. But um, I did not have parents who I think they're creative. I think there's creativity in everything. Yeah. But, um, you know, they were not artists. They were not um, people who necessarily appreciated like fine art or design. I come from a very um, typical Caribbean immigrant family. Mm -hmm. So um, my family's from Guyana. I was born there. 
we came to Brooklyn when I was five years old. And, you know, it's the, the very typical immigrant story. You know, you come over here for a better life, quote mm-hmm. unquote. You know, mm-hmm. you bring your kids and you expect them to, you know, grow up and yeah. go to a good school and be That's a why doctor. Brought you here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so they don't bring shame to the family, you know. Oh, gosh. And you become a doctor, lawyer, engineer possibly a nurse might be acceptable, but there are very few career paths and none of them are design related at all. So it's not something I ever even thought about as a path. Um, It was just something I did. And I didn't see it as necessarily as particular skill or a talent. It was more like a I don't know, a habit, a oh, compulsion, a word. maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, you doodle on your notebook in school while the teacher's talking, and that evolves to you being in, like, three-hour corporate meetings yep. <laughs> at yep. your corporate job, and you fill up a whole legal pad full of this. <laughs> and, and your so boss is that. really upset. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was my life. Um, yeah. Let's see. So I went to college. I, you know, I was on the path. Right, didn't right. exactly know what I wanted to do. I knew what I didn't want to do, which was mm-hmm. all those careers that I was supposed to do. And when it's not really part of the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're drawing or you're you're know making doll clothes is just what you do at the time, right? When it's not right. part of of a possible career, so exactly. you do. You just you you know I. I always thought art school would be great, but it was really enforced that a well-rounded education would be a better idea. You know, mm-hmm. get a job job, then you can do the creative stuff. Right. Yeah. On the side. Yeah. So um, I went to college and much to my parents' chagrin, I double majored in English and history, mm-hmm. which um, like I was always a writer. I always, you know did communications type stuff. So I was on the school newspaper, literary magazine, things like that. So while it wasn't the degree (laughs) that they wanted me to have, I at least knew it could translate to something that looked like a real job. So they didn't think so. (laughs) I mean, I'm grateful for it now, even though I don't directly use any of my degrees, but it helped me become who I am. So, um, so yeah, so I'm about to graduate and I have no job prospects. I've been on like a million interviews for a million jobs that I didn't even want. And I'm like, okay, so what am I going to do? Um, and everybody's like, oh, so are you going to teach? Because I had the English and the history degrees. I'm like, no, yeah, that's not what (laughs) I I I don't want. I, (laughs) I don't know what I want, but I know what I don't want. So, um, I, watched this TV show one day and I'll say I graduated in 1999 to date myself. And if you remember what was going on in 1999, it was the, the Y2K scare, the millennial bug, you know, Mm -hmm. and the whole world was going to go to hell in a handbasket, you know, once the year 2000 hit, you know, unless you change these two little digits in these ancient computer programs. So I'm like, (laughs) I was watching a TV show on and I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's kind of scary, but yeah. interesting. And then a um, couple of days later, I go to the career service office at my school. And lo and behold, what do I see? A job listing for a computer programmer training program mm. for COBOL programmers. And COBOL is like the ancient language that yeah. all the old computers were programmed in. So I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, this is a sign. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> this is from God, right? Yeah. So 
And the job is at a very prestigious company. It's like a Fortune 10 company in Manhattan and in, nice. in like investment bank. So it's like, oh, this is like a, a real job. Right. So I apply for it, end up going through this, you know, grueling process and I get the job. Wow. So, you know, everybody's rejoicing. You know, my parents <laughs> are happy because, you know, they can say that I work at this real job. Um, my salary is considerably higher than all of my friends, you know, for a 21, 22 year old and everything's great. And, um, I get this apartment in Brooklyn and I get the whole wardrobe full of suits (laughs) and, you know, I'm I'm on my way. I've arrived. So I start working at the job and I, I hate it. Oh gosh. It's, it's like the worst possible fit for me, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm miserable, but at this point, I'm stuck. Now like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I have a lease now. Oh, I'm man. a real adult. Quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um, I got all these suits. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> can't go like, back now. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I can't quit, mm. but I know I need some kind of outlet and I know I'm creative. Right. You know, I'm not an artist. I'm not a designer. That's way too presumptuous to call myself but I know I want to do something creative because my job is completely like right-brained and buttoned up so I I do a whole bunch of stuff take a whole bunch of random you know circuitous turns yeah. and I end up at this class at FIT nice. so it's like a three-day class it's you know just like a mini course over mm-hmm. the holidays and I think it I think it was intro to fashion design I'm like mm, I like clothes three days like we can deal with that yeah. So it's over the course of three weeks. So it's like one day okay. a week. Um, so I go the first week and, you know, it's, I'm like, this is fine. This is cool. The second week I go and the instructor's talking to us and she's like, you know, if you want to get your fashion lines produced, you're going to have to go to China and so on and so forth. So I was like, mm. I was like, okay, <laughs> China. So that means child labor, sweatshops, human rights violations. There she goes. All underpaid people, all these horrible mm-hmm. things. So mm-hmm. I'm like, eh. I'm like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And it's like, I don't have to do this. Because this isn't even what I really do. So right. didn't even bother going back to the third class. And that was that. Yep. Like, and, okay, tried that. Yeah. That did, that was not going yeah. to take me where I wanted to go. Right. On, on to the next thing. Right. So a, a bunch of things happen. I end up after a year and a half leaving that job. And I think I go into like more of my roots, like nonprofit communications type work. Cause it's like more in line with my values and also my actual skill set as mm-hmm. a writer and yeah. communicator. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, this works. It doesn't pay as much, but whatever. You know, I'm, it's, I feel better about it. I'm not passionate about it, but it's what I know I can do and sure. what I've always been validated in. So I do that for a while. Um, then I end up going to grad school for media studies because I really thought I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker. Cool. Um, yeah. I did not want to be a documentary <laughs> Found out that that wasn't the thing. Yeah. Well, I... It, it was weird. So, I, you know, I went to this, um, I went to the new school mm-hmm. for grad school and worked at like some PBS shows, interned, did the whole thing. I got what I thought was my dream job, maybe like a year after graduation and it completely 
crashed and burned. Mm, like it yeah. was just awful things happened. My whole world just kind of fell apart. Aww. And yeah, my like my apartment that I had, like that fell through. Like every, all these awful things started happening at the same time. So I ended up moving back to Atlanta, which is where, you know, I, I grew up at least half of the time where my family was, my parents and yeah. everything. So I was I was miserable. Aww. Again. <laughs> yeah. Know? And I was applying for all these jobs. I think I temped for like two years and ended up getting another corporate job. And it, while it was in my field, sort of, it was still, you know, that environment. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. you know, how many of us can say the same? We're, we're supposed to do this and this is right. a real job and this is what yeah. I'm expected to do. And this is isn't this what society oh goodness yeah right right and not happy not happy not happy and i should have known i mean i got my first job when i was 16 at like a fast food place mm -hmm. and i just would remember going in and i'm like okay so i have to stay here for like another eight hours and i'm <laughs> like okay so this is what people do with their lives like right. okay and I just, I'm like, this is pretty awful, but um, I don't know anything else. Yes, this is, and what, this we is do. what people do. So I'm yeah. like, I just prepare myself for a life of this. Mm -hmm. But um, so that's kind of, that was my mentality up until, you know. Because like, what else do we know, really? Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So um, I end up in this other job that's like a good job and a good company. And quote end quote yes so so many air quotes yeah um i end up in these three four hour long strategy meetings and my boss thinks i'm taking copious notes but really i'm doodling on everything <laughs> and when gotcha. she starts to notice she oh. gets really like offended and you know bothered until she realizes that I need to have my right and left brain working at the yeah. same time. For it's me to proven that doodling helps us pay attention. Finally, Absolutely. they proved it. Yeah. And she figured that out eventually, but you know, she was yeah. not happy Aww. for a long time, but yeah. So while I was at that job, that's when the story gets weird. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All the weird things start happening. I'm trying to think of what the first one was. I remember you said, was it a, a doodle or somebody said something in a grocery line to you? Or I remember hearing a little bit about that. Yeah. This. So it was, well, okay. The first thing was an acquaintance of mine. She was just kind of looked at me one day. She's like, you know, every time I see you, I just think fashion. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, that you like my outfit. Right. Thank you. And she's like, no, do you do anything? Like, do you craft? Do you sew anything like that? I'm like, no. <laughs> okay, keep in mind I had taken that class at FIT years like ago. 12 years prior. Right. Completely wiped it out of my brain. And I'm like, like, what are you talking about? No. And you know, but it's that was still in the back of my mind somewhere. I kind of filed it back there. I'm like, okay. And um then I end up taking this class one time. And it wasn't an art instruction class, but it was more like unlocking your inner creativity type sure. class. It was very like woo woo. It was part of this church that I had mm -hmm. heard of. And mm -hmm. I don't know what compelled me to take it, but I was like, eh, this sounds fun. And it was pretty life-changing cool. in a lot of ways. 
And there was a woman in class with me. We were doing some kind of group project. Had no idea who she was. She's a good friend now, but I have yeah. had no idea who she was. And she just kind of looked at me one day and she's like, you know, I think there's something that you picked up a long time ago, but you put it down because you didn't think that you could do it. But I feel mm. like God wants you to pick that back up. What a great and way I was to like, say it. Yeah, but I, again, right. I'm completely dense. Yeah. <laughs> so, Not listening. Um, well, I'm like, well, not just not listening, but I'm like, that could literally be anything because right. I picked up so many things. So I'm like, thank you, crazy lady. Thank you. Know? Can you be more specific, please? Yeah, right. You know, but again, I kind of filed it away. Maybe there was something to it. Then one day I'm getting on a flight and the Delta agent looks at my passport. She was like, your name sounds like a clothing line, but there was something to it. Like she wasn't just casually saying, I'm like, you know something. Wow. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but I feel like you know something. So I'm like, okay. And it happened a bunch of other times that I can't even remember. So I'm like, okay, fine. What What's going on? Yeah. Okay. I'm listening. So slowly, but surely I start having these revelations and these mini epiphanies. So um, the first thing is, um, well, A, I find out ethical fashion actually exists mm-hmm. and that there are people who are producing things without exploiting and killing people, which is great. Yeah. And also China is not full of baby killing no, factories. It's, no, it's not. Like I thought, there's right. actually decent factories in China mm-hmm. and everywhere else. So it's like, okay. But the ethical fashion that I would see was very ethical, right. big on the ethical, yeah. not so big on the fashion. On the fashion. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're so and right at I'm that like, time yeah so I'm like you can make something out of hemp without it looking like it's made of hemp when you said ethical like hemp is the first thing that like that's all we yes. used to see it's if it's ethical fashion it's you know Got, gotta be hemp gotta, gotta be, be hemp. that one color yeah Rough so I'm like yeah and of course I'm pretty colorful so I'm like okay this is great I'm with them in spirit but not in style right but still it's a step in the right direction okay this is good and i know there's organizations like the ethical fashion forum and Mm -hmm. all these other places i'm like this is cool um the other thing was um i would go into stores like target or nordstrom and you know i've been going in those stores all my life but like my eyes were open one day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i would see like throw pillows or coffee mugs Mm -hmm. or clothing and it they had prints on them. Uh, and I'm like, that looks like stuff I do. How'd that get on there? Um, yeah. I'm like, how do people do that? <laughs> like, what is this called? So I start doing my research and I find out that there is a thing called service pattern design. Yes. And it's actually what I've been doing my whole entire life. Oh, I love So I'm this. like, what? <laughs> I start going to trade. I went to Surtex one year and like the National Stationery Show. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm in Atlanta. So I went to the Mart sure. a few times. So I was like, okay. This is the thing that people mm-hmm. do and they make money off it. So I'm like, hmm, I think I want to do that. Awesome. And that's kind of how it got started. I love that so much. I I can relate in so many ways, just kind of backing into something like that. Like, okay, how creative can I get in my real job? Like, can it be at a kind of creative company or, and then starting mm-hmm. to figure out th- exactly that, that that pattern 
got first it's fabric right like huh fabric mm-hmm. that's flat yeah and then dishes and you know all the things and that's what I've spent my career doing for other companies and and other artists and I I just am so drawn to that so when you started to kind of say okay surtex is a thing and all the Mm -hmm. millions of floors and buildings at the mart um Mm what did you do first to get yourself into that what I did first um so originally I was thinking about licensing because mm-hmm. that's just all I had heard of. Sure. And the more I thought about that, I felt almost limited by mm-hmm. it. Not that, I mean, I'm very open to licensing. I would love to do licensing. Sure. We forward. won't discount that. Anybody listening? <laughs> yeah. Every time I'm we're open. <laughs> yes, we're open. But the limitation in right. licensing was I would listen to smart, creative women, mm-hmm. I think, which is when I first heard of you. And, you know, they would talk about, well, you know, little foxes are hot this season. Right. And, you know, you need to do a holiday collection and you need to. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, like I want to. This isn't even what I really do. So right. if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. So I don't want to depend on like what's hot or what's the trend at the time. So there was that. And there's also like, you know, when you license your work to companies, you don't really control how it gets made, where it gets made, price points, all that stuff. So I'm like, if I want to do this, I want to do it ethically Mm -hmm. and licensing that. that may or may not work. So I'm like, okay, how can I put something of my own out there? Right. And just see how it works. So I started, I think the first thing I did was like, I used a print on demand company. I think I did phone cases. Okay. Didn't have a website at the time, but I had a newsletter because prior to the design stuff, I did freelance like writing and marketing communications on the Mm -hmm. side. So I would Mm -hmm. collect names of people, mostly friends and family, but then expanded. So I'm like, I'm going to use this mailing list and kind of put it out there. So I put my phone cases out there and I made a few sales. I was like, oh, people like this. People like it. This could be a thing. I mean, it was very, when I look back, I'm like, it's kind of rudimentary, but it it was something. Yeah. You have to, it's kind of dipping your toe in. Are, are people going to respond? Yeah. And they did. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. So then um, once I, at that time I had left the last corporate job I was at and I was doing the freelance thing, mm-hmm. which I really, I knew that wasn't it for me as a career, the writing right. and marketing communica- communications, but I just knew that I needed the freedom from corporate to fully explore this thing. And I needed yeah. something flexible. So I was doing that. And then once I figured out what exactly I wanted to do business-wise and what I wanted it to look like, I'm like, okay, now I need a job again to finance mm-hmm. right. this and so I can have health insurance and I don't have to like go out looking for clients and blah, blah, blah. I know I'm going to get a check every other week. Smart. So I got another job, which was, um, again, the job itself was not interesting. The company was a lot more, you know, like nice and nurturing and a nice place to be with good people. And what kept me going day after day after day was the fact that I was building this business on the side Mm -hmm. and this wasn't going to be my main thing. So it made it all the more tolerable. Mm. Because now you have the perspective of that. You, you, you know, you, 
you figured out that it's a thing and that you like it yeah. and you're starting. So it makes mm -hmm. the, it makes the day to day, you know, bearable in a different yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I have like a purpose and like an exit plan. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to be stuck here. Like I was stuck at all the other places. Right. So I think the first product I actually manufactured was a throw pillow. Okay. And keep in mind, I don't really sew or anything <laughs> like that. Um, thankfully, the one thing that I took from grad school was Photoshop and Illustrator because I Great. took a digital Very design helpful. class. Yeah. So that helped me out. Um, so I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about actually making a you know clothing pattern or anything like that. But a pillow is literally a square. Yeah. And it's something that I can put a print on. So I came out with, I think it was like eight pillows with eight different designs, which I still have on my site actually. And I, I made a site. With it's, it's a great space. site. I mean, I know it's uh, probably changed a lot, but there's so oh, much yeah. there. It's great. Yeah, pro probably too much. So that was the first thing. And they got a really good response. And I found out that West Elm let designers do pop-up shops mm -hmm. so you know I went there met with them they they liked the aesthetic and I did my first pop-up and I think that was like 2015 okay and that's how it started to become commercial mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow so I love that so you figured out it was a thing by walking surtex mm -hmm. and the stationery show and the mart mm -hmm. and the mart for sorry for talking and and code but it's a <laughs> it's a it's just three giant wholesale buildings um in downtown atlanta where there's a big show every twice a year where um stores mm -hmm. and people like that catalogs come look at and buy wholesale for their companies so there's really um there's a lot there i had a showroom there mm -hmm. for several years oh yeah see it all melds together um but then figuring out that you could print on fabric. So did you have, did you use Spoonflower or kind of figure out a way or, you know, a, a print on demand kind of company to do, and then you made the pillows yourself? Um, so initially I, um, there was a company, I, they don't exist anymore. It was a small, like woman owned company based in New Orleans. And I they, them. yeah, I can't remember their name. I can't right either, now. but I did a lot of yeah. research at, uh, when that all started and I do remember them. Yeah, so I would source the organic cotton from somewhere. I think the company, somewhere in the South. And I would have it mailed to them and they would print on it and then mail it back to me. Nice. So you were getting the fabric that you felt comfortable with too, which is great. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I had to, that's how I learned about fabric. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, this is ready to print on. This is not. Mm -hmm. So just learning all the different terms. And um, that company eventually folded. And I think I started using Spoonflower at some point. I, I tried a, a lot of different smaller sure. companies, but mm -hmm. I think Spoonflower was the one that was like the most consistent. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. That's how I started printing on fabric. So you did these. So I have to ask though, did you do clothes in the middle there? Did you no. So I, I always thought clothes Clothes were like the end goal, like the, okay. the final frontier to me. I mean, I always loved clothes more than anything else, mm -hmm. but um, I didn't really know anything about yeah, that's you know, a big the process leap. of making a garment. Yeah, but it actually came sooner than I thought because 
at some point, a friend of mine, and I was doing the pillows for a, a few years, and that's really all I was doing, and maybe like stationary, things like that, sure. but um, <clears throat> nothing that took a whole lot of manufacturing. Right. Then I had a friend come to me because she knew I made stuff, and she's like, hey, I want to do a um, athletic wear line with like traditional African prints, like Ankara prints. And I'm like, okay, that sounds great. Do you have like the copyright? Do you know who owns the print? And she's like, what? <laughs> Let's talk. I'm like, yeah. yeah, you just can't use the print. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, you know, you have to have permission or it has to be an original print. And she's like, oh, okay, can you help me? And I'm like, I guess. Um <laughs> So I was just, you know, kind of going through print on demand sites and making mock-ups and just to see what they would look like. And I would use prints that I already had kind of in the vault sure, just to see what it would look like. And then I, you know, once I put my print on the template, it's like, oh, Uh that looks cool. And Uh I showed it to some other people. They're like, oh, that's even my dad, who does not know anything about women's fashion. (laughs) He was like, I think you have something here. Ah. So it went from that, you know, trying to do the traditional African print thing to help my friend to actually putting my own prints. Nice. On these mock-ups. Yeah, they look so great. Because that's the company that's on your website, right? Is that the one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, finally, something interesting and colorful that would make me want to work out yes that's not black or gray (laughs) exactly you need more of that okay that's that's so so again it's it's learning and figuring things out as you go that puts Mm -hmm. these opportunities in front of us it's like somebody hears about it they have an idea you can collaborate here and you can collaborate there and Mm -hmm. it leads to great things so the pop-ups were interestingly timed for you yes so you had you did Several of those with West Elm, just the neighborhood kind of West Elm pop-ups. Mm-hmm. I did the probably every West Elm in Atlanta at some point yeah, I've done. And great. I think I did one in New York once. Okay. Wow. And, you know, it was, some of them were great as far as sales were concerned. Some, not so much, but, you know, it was good to be in front of customers. Right. And see how they responded and what they That's liked the and best. what they didn't like. Yeah. yeah. So that really was good very valuable. Research. Yeah. Not always lucrative, but valuable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> then 2020 happened. Then 2020 happened. You know, if you go to your, it's interesting. I, I went to your press page mm-hmm. and there's such positive press, but I'm just so interested in the press since, you know, mid spring yeah. and it's, it's great, but mm, like, did we need to wait? It, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. uh, Same. thrilled that it's happening, but oh my gosh, you know, like the, the way it happened. Yeah. yeah. And why it's happening. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So the first thing and, you know, 2020, it's so weird to say that 2020 was great for my business. <laughs> well, I think it's been interesting. It's had time. its silver linings. It's fine to it, say that. It has. It has. So, well, the first thing was, you know, of course, March COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And everybody who did anything related to fabric, mm-hmm. sewing, what have you, was making masks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had some scrap fabric. I didn't have a whole lot on hand because it's expensive to print mm-hmm. your own fabric. So and I was like, eh, masks, everybody's doing that. Right. And then after a while, I was like, wait a minute, everybody's doing it. <laughs> like, That's everybody's wearing them as well. Yes. I'm like, let, let me get in on this. So, you know, I had a local seamstress that I work with from time to time. And I was like, here's some scrap fabric. 
makes a mess out of these. And you could barely get elastic from anywhere. Right. So people yeah, are using t-shirts torn itself. up and yeah. But anything we could find. I mean, it's obviously died down a little, but yeah, it was crazy for a while. So uh, I think the first thing press-wise was we were quoted in a Forbes article along with a bunch of other people who had pivoted to mask making. Mm -hmm. So that was like the first little inkling of press. And then the rest of summer of 2020 happened, the civil unrest, the, the hard part. Yes, the the horrible part, people getting killed, the Black Lives Matter movement coming to the fore. And, you know, all of a sudden, um, the mainstream media started discovering Mm -hmm. Black-owned businesses Mm -hmm. that that had been around for decades, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in some cases. But um, just the way it had, I mean, I'm thrilled for this, believe me. It's just so time, but it's just interesting how Mm -hmm. it's, it's just better, like people pay attention and pay attention forevermore. Yeah, it shouldn't have taken all of Mm -hmm. that for it to happen, but. So would you say you were on West Elm's radar? Because like all those companies, they're looking around saying, oh my gosh, we better figure out what we're doing. Yeah, sure. So I always kept a relationship with them somehow. And the general manager of the first West Elm that I had a pop-up in was now like the regional director. And, you know, we had always been in touch. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I heard that they were one of the first companies to take the 15% pledge, which are are you familiar with? Yeah. I have always felt like they've been really good at telling the story, telling the ethical story, talking about who's making their products, having pictures of people who are like, I'm, I'm, I'm a a fan. Yeah, they're great about that. And they're also great just like for advocating for local makers and, you know, giving. Yeah, nobody else figured that. They figured that out well at a, earlier than, than they, others. They so really did. It makes sense that they reacted quickly. Yeah. So it was just, it was kind of like the perfect storm. You know, I already had a relationship with them. They were looking for, you know, Black designers to work with. There you are. Yeah, here I am. So that's how our partnership with West Elm Local started. So your work is available now in West Elm. It's available on westelm.com, not in the physical stores, but because I look, I haven't been in a physical store, but I did look online, so I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Uh, yeah, which is great. It's that's exciting. And are you feeling like because again, there's been a lot of press, you know, lines mm-hmm. designers to watch, home designers to watch, uh, you know, all sorts of things, ethical, yeah. and, which is great. And I I hope that. You know, I hope that we don't go back even how we're making things to the way we were before. Right. I mean, certainly things right. have to be made, you know, how are you going to make it to get it out there? But I know, mm-hmm. you know there's companies that are wanting to do more here in the States or, you know, how how to do that, what designers to use, all that. So yeah. um, do you have a, have you set any, like when you think about the next three years, what would, what would you love that to look like for your, for your own growth and design company? Sure. So um, my goal from when I started was to be a full-fledged lifestyle brand. So basically anything that can have a print on it, Mm -hmm. I want to put a print on it Um, as as long as it makes sense, of course. And as long as I can do it ethically or sustainably somehow. Mm -hmm. So um, I definitely would like to grow the... um, active wear, mm-hmm. athleisure line. I don't see myself ever making like 
ball gowns <laughs> or anything <laughs> like that. Like this is my Something lane. You can I, move in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like to call my brand like elevated comfort. So That's it's perfect. like throw pillows and comfortable clothes that you can wear during a pandemic, but still look kind of pulled together. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need to you go look to the totally grocery store, together, by the way. Oh, thank you. Well, you can only see me from the, <laughs> <laughs> the shoulders up, but I, still, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I create the illusion. There you go. So yeah, I want to go further into like, you know, swimsuits, pajamas, things that are comfortable and casual, but still yeah. cute. And, you know, definitely expand the home decor. I would love to do like more upholstery and sell mm-hmm. the fabric by the yard directly and, you know, collaborate with other makers. Yeah, for way. sure. I'd love to see your, your yeah. patterns woven and also, oh. you know, they're printed now, but woven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be beautiful. And certainly on, you know, tabletop and mm-hmm. furniture itself, wallpaper, that's a thing yeah. happening. Yeah. Right? So wallpaper is happening very soon. Good. Hopefully we'll be out in the spring. I can't wait because it's, that's, I just feel like it's exactly what yeah. people are looking for. Your, your strong graph, bold graphics are, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. Well, I can't wait because it was supposed to be out last year. <laughs> you know, <laughs> other things. Better late than never. But it, so have, have you had other people reach out to work with you? Um, I have. So I've had another major retailer, which I can't mention yet. And um, also online retailers mm-hmm. in the home decor space have reached out recently. So Good. those might be some upcoming partnerships. Good. Yeah. I, you know, it's not to pigeonhole myself as somebody that's not aware, but honestly, mm-hmm. when, when you're head down working at a company or working for yourself and you're, you see who's walking by at the mart or who shows you their designs and, or maybe mm-hmm. who's taken a class of yours, it's, and when we want, you know, we want to be as inclusive as possible. And I mean, native and Latino and, mm-hmm. you know, black, like, let, why is our line so white? You know, like that's, I didn't start thinking about that <laughs> in the spring, but it's certainly mm-hmm. magnified. So, and certainly I've worked with companies that have been better at that, but finding like, you know, it's, it's finding, it's looking at that press and looking for who is doing it and looking for who you'd like to kind of bring along or something like that. And, and expanding the relationships as much as possible right. um, is, is important at, at such a soul level for me personally is what I can say mm-hmm. to that. So, um, and, you know, and, and the people that I am aware of are great and, and busy, but it's like, come on, let's, let's all sh- bring each other along and bring each yeah, other up. Yeah. So I, I'm just, that's what I, I'm kind of dig as I'm digging into my rabbit holes every day of what great birds I'm seeing or whatever. <laughs> I'm always, you know, it's like, how can I expand my, my own, even my, who I'm following on Instagram, you know, you, sure. you kind of tend to be like, even if like your political stuff, you end up following each other or whatever it is, you yeah. know? So, um, I, it's just interesting though. I feel like, gosh, how can we get in front of each other as much as possible? So yeah. that's, that's, I'm glad that you're, it, it's happening that way. And I, and here's the main thing. If your design wasn't awesome, it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen in the same way. You have stunning patterns and stunning, you know, you've known you've wanted to do this for your whole life. It just like, 
like people had said to you, there's something you put down along the way. And how great that you taught yourself, you were curious enough yourself to kind of look along the way and say, what is this surtex thing? And what's the mart and what's going on in there? And I think it's what we put ourselves in front of that it just starts, it starts happening. And I can't wait to see what, how this grows for you, because it's, it's beautiful. It's certainly the kind of work that I, well, I'm a paper edge math paper doodler myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I always thought that that wasn't what was going to sell my little mm. squares. And, you know, it was always that ballpoint pen, big pen or pencil or whatever yes. it was back in the day. But I always thought, oh, I need to draw and make it look like something. And, yeah. and then when I realized that that's actually what was selling and what, what I was liking, it's like, Hey, wait a minute. And then, you know, product has always been my passion and helping figuring out how to get people's art on it as well. So I just can't stop thinking about all the potential for you. It's really, it's really cool to think about. Yeah. I, um, I cheated and looked, you know, I asked the question always who's inspiring you and, and ahead of time, I, I like to give people a chance to think about that. And you gave me a couple, Mm -hmm. one of which, well, two, because I don't know your brother, but another one that I wasn't aware of. And I, when I was digging in and looking, I was like, oh, I can so see your pattern work just kind of blowing up into all these things. You want to share kind of who's inspiring? I forgot what I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you. Okay. So, and and you can tell me any, anybody you want, because I don't really want to take that away. So one of them was Mara Hoffman, who is a designer that I love. I love her. And I think that she is like, I first found her, I think because of, again, her bold colors, her Mm -hmm. her no fear graphics and scale, right? Scale that, that I feel like for so long fabrics have been a certain scale and she just blew that right out of the water. So that was one. And then I hope I say this right. Yinka Ilori. Yes. Oh my gosh. Tell me about him. So I discovered him on like, I don't know if it's through Instagram or some article, but he is a um, British Nigerian designer based in the UK. And yeah, he's, I mean, I, I guess he's a, you know, visual artist, painter, graphic designer by trade, but he, his prints on product are just so amazing. His use mm-hmm. of color, very like contrasting and unusual combinations and shapes is mm-hmm. just like breathtaking to me. I love how that shape then that he uses a place as a color in a really an unexpected color in an mm-hmm. unexpected place. But then, yeah. cause I was thinking of you, like he's done a whole, yeah, there's a side of a building, but a whole like tunnel painted with stuff and a whole, yeah you know, giant installation or something. And I was like, yeah, let's dream big. That, that was super inspiring. So thank you for introducing him to me. Yeah, that was great. And then the other one you mentioned was your brother, my nephew, nephew. I'm sorry. Your nephew. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have a brother. (laughs) I said that wrong already. (laughs) (laughs) I'm making you up. Oh man. Okay. So my nephew, he just turned 16. He's the baby of the family. And, you know, because of quarantine, he hasn't seen his friends since March. He's always been like preternaturally 
creative Mm. town like from the time he was a little kid he he would make entire comic books and he would he would draw and he draws like really well Uh and would illustrate them so like during this time you know and he's the only kid in the house you know and with all adults but he has I'm like I want to be like you when I grow up he's just made the most of it like I think he made an entire album he literally does every type of art (laughs) you can possibly do and he does it well so it's just like inspiring to see somebody like young and not jaded and still like well and he has you for an example he has somebody unlike you, you you know you didn't necessarily who can say hey Here's right. a here's a way to think about it, you know, and 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 yeah. to be so inspired by that energy and the mm-hmm. just the organic creativity like that is really. He's probably great. more. My sister, his mom, is also super creative. See, Even you came, she, she's you, a lawyer. Well, but, there you go. <laughs> but she's also like a sculptor and an artist, and she used to act. And so it's like. Wow. You know, you guys have good genes. For repressed sure. good genes. <laughs> repressed. repressed creativity oh. runs in the family. Let's break those out. So, yeah, it's definitely broken for this next generation. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. good. Oh, well, you know, I, I will really enjoy watching how you grow. I think that's going to be really exciting oh. to see. And please come back and and keep me updated. I think it would be. Absolutely. It's just going to be really. And I can't wait to get some wallpaper. Yes. <laughs> and other things. You'll be the first. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rochelle. And I and I remember too that you did hear me on a talk thing a long, long time ago, which was like another cool, another cool connection. Yes, so. I've been following you. And it's so funny. Okay, so I was listening to other episodes of your podcast, and I'm like, Dale Bennett. Like, that's <laughs> my friend. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I love that Dale Bennett. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah. yeah well, I'm so glad so you're, you guys are friends because your yeah. energy is too good not to be. I, I love her. She's, yeah, she's great. Oh, good shout out for Dale. Yeah. She's one of yes. my faves. Yeah. We worked at Hallmark together as, as you yeah. know, from listening and yeah, um, she mentioned it. She was just always a bright light. And, and when I saw her again, the last thing I did before, you know, lockdown, there she was. And I was just like, Oh, exactly what I needed right now in my life. So mm-hmm. really positive. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. And I can't wait to have you back again. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. You bet. And just all the best. And you're you're on a, a fantastic journey, I can tell. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.